So John chapter 1, reading from verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. We finish our reading there. This is God's word. Uh, so who received a book for Christmas? Uh, maybe a Beano annual or the latest skullduggery novel, maybe a bird-watching encyclopedia or a biography. Um, we gave and received quite a few books in our house, and one that we were given was this huge book by the Bible Project, uh, and it's, uh, it's massive. It might, I think it's the second biggest book in our house. I think we have an atlas that's at least just slightly thicker, uh, if not any bigger, and it's full of, of posters, uh, with every book in the Bible has a, has a poster and a little bit of text all about, uh, all about that book of the Bible. Uh, so you can get a summary of each book in the Bible by, by reading that uh, and looking at the poster. It's very, very, very good. Uh, really brilliant book. And there's a little video online that goes with every poster as well. Um, now today, we're starting to read a new book together as a church uh, each Sunday morning through to about Easter, we're going to read the Gospel of John. We're going to call it John for short. Uh, and what do you do with a new book? Let's say you got it for Christmas. Uh, you could tell what it was through the wrapping paper, but you, you tore the wrapping paper off. You looked at the cover. What do you do then? 
well, you turn it over, don't you? Uh, you turn it over and read the back to, to find out what it's about or just to, to, to have your appetite uh, whetted to, to read it. You want to get excited about reading it. So you read the back and fi- find out what it's all about. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Dear me. I uh, <coughs> haven't uh, spoken this loud for quite some time. <coughs> um, now, we can do that with John's gospel as well. Towards the end of John's book, he tells us uh, what it's all about and why he wrote it. So here's John chapter 20, verses 30 to 31. Uh, John says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these, meaning everything that John has written about by the time he gets to chapter 20, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wants us to believe and trust in Jesus, and by doing that, to be given true life. And that's uh, why we're the little subtitle for our series uh, in John, the book of John, is Believe and Have Life, because that's what John is all about. That's why he wrote his book, so that we might believe, and by believing in Jesus, that we might have life. So if you're not a Christian, John is for you. I know these videos can go a long way, and and the the podcast as well. Um, John says, let me tell you about Jesus, because in Jesus we can find true life. That's for you. And if you are a Christian, well, John is also for you. John records Jesus saying, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you want life to the full? That's a January sort of thing to think about, isn't it? Life to the full? Yeah, come on. Uh, Well, John records Jesus saying, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says in John's gospel, uh, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the, uh, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Do you know God? Uh, have you begun to think about him in the way that we did at the start of the, uh, of the service, the self-existent God, or the way we did in the Apostles' Creed, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? Have, have you begun to think about him and get to know him? Do you know him personally and relationally? That's what John's book about Jesus is all about, life to the full, life knowing God, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And that's some of what John includes through his book Uh, But here at the start of his book, in John chapter 1, he says, look, before I tell you all about what Jesus said and what Jesus did, uh, let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me give you the answer, and then I'll give you the evidence. So in our time today in chapter 1, let's spot four things that John tells us about Jesus. Four things he will show us as he writes his book. Uh, We'll not spend too long on any of them, but here's the first. Jesus is God. Jesus is God, or God in the flesh, God in a a body. Uh, So look at verse 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John borrows his opening words from page 1 of the whole Bible, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. Uh, John wants us to cast our imaginations back to that moment when nothing yet existed, when there was no place or space that existed. It wasn't really a moment either because 
Uh, Even time itself didn't exist. John claims that in the beginning, before stuff and space and time, there wasn't nothing and nowhere and never. There was a person. And this person John calls the Word. The Word was there, eternally in existence. The Word was with God, distinct from Him in some way, but the Word was God, divine, distinct and divine. That's the, that's the big idea of verses 1 to 2. And the verses, they actually make a mini poem. I don't know if you've noticed that we don't really need verse 2. We don't learn anything new in verse 2. But it serves as a little poem. And in the Bible, good poems don't have rhymes. They have reflection. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> I just choke on the word reflections. In the Bible, good poems don't have rhymes. They have reflections. So look at the reflections <coughs> in this little poem of verses 1 and 2. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So the start and the end have reflections. Then just inside that, there's a middle bit, uh, you know, with God kind of reflects. And then the most important part of a poem in the Bible comes in the middle of all the reflected bits. They're like uh, two sides of a hill. Those reflections are like two sides of a hill. And the most important part sits on its own at the top of the hill. And here in these verses, it's the phrase, the word was God. Jesus is God. He is not God the Father because he was with God the Father, but he is God. He is God the Son. John's uh, gospel reveals God the Trinity. Um, What St. Patrick described as three in one and one in three, eternal Father, Spirit, Word. God in three persons. Well, why call him the Word? Uh, why not call him the Son? Uh, well, he will in other places, of course, but your word is your self-expression. Your word reveals your thoughts. It tells us what's going on in your head, uh, however much or however little that might be. Um, and your words say what you want, and the words that we speak are the way we get to know one another. So words do all of these different jobs for us, and more on some of that later on. But For now, look how God's word gets stuff done. Verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. So through God the Son, everything we see all around us was created. All matter, all space, all time. Um, He is the source of of all of that, and he is the source of everything that we can't see but we still know is real, things like justice and meaning and love. Well, so what? (laughs) Well, actually, this changes everything. John's John's word for word is logos. And logos was a well-known idea that was used by uh, smart Greek people at the time for the kind of ancient principle that undergirded everything. We might call it a worldview today. Um, So what do you think is behind everything? Uh, People who don't believe in any God say that the physical world, stuff, that's all there is. It's just all stuff. It's just all atoms and electrons. Um, I know electrons are part of, never mind. 
Uh, It's just all stuff. But then thoughts and ideas and intelligence itself is not made of stuff. It's not that simple. John says that the logos, the thing behind everything, behind intelligence and thought and the existence of things that are rational and irrational and the laws of science and reality, before, behind it all is a person. The person is God, and He was with God in the beginning, and He is the expression of God, and He is the agent of God in creation, and He stepped into, into history as a human being that John will very shortly begin to tell us about, the Lord Jesus. And this is great news, because if the origin of the world is just chance, just by accident, everything is by accident, then nothing ever, uh, uh, nothing that ever happens and nothing we ever do matters, because it's all an accident anyway. And if the existence of the world is all about stuff, then nothing we ever think or feel matters. And if the rules of life are just about power, then life is one long, uh, selfish struggle to survive, full of fear, uh, and, and don't care who we trample on uh, along the way, as long as we get our, uh, you know, as long as we survive and pass on our genes. But if the origin of the world is one God in perfect loving relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit, well, then the world was made out of God's love to share in God's love. And that doesn't just make much better sense of life, it's much better full stop. Um, John says that Jesus I will tell you about is God in the flesh. He is the maker and the agent and the expression of God. Um, so Jesus is God. Second thing John wants to tell us <clears throat> at the start of his gospel is this. Jesus is light and life in a dark world. Jesus is light and life in a dark world. <clears throat> uh, can you remember having a power cut at home at night time, you know when the electricity goes off and even the street lights go out and it gets, just gets very, very dark indeed. Uh, it's not so bad if it's during the day, but if, if it's at night time and even the street lights are out, there's just nothing. Uh, I remember one small person in our house waking up during a power cut and shouting, Daddy, my eyes don't work. Uh, and when I got up to help, I found that my eyes didn't work either. Uh, not until I found my phone and put the torch on and, and found my way around a little bit. John reminds us that back in Genesis, uh, there was total darkness until God said, let there be light. And then there was light. There was real light. And there was the light of living with God. Two types of light. God made human beings to be like him, to rule the world under him, to prosper and thrive and share in the love that's at the heart of God's being in the relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit. Uh, but then in Genesis 3, we struck out alone. We said, uh, no thanks. Uh, we'll take the world that you've made, but we don't want you. Um, and we're all like that. Every single one of us in the whole human race is like that. And now creation shines like a big lit up sign pointing to God, but we've got our eyes shut tight. Uh, we can't see it. We can't see him. We don't want to see it. So verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. But the light of creation is not the only light. Jesus himself, the light of the world, 
uh, came into the world to point us to God. He came into the darkness to shine and show us God. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. But it is still a dark world. Look at verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. And he came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. It's still a dark, sinful world. And we'll see that in John's book when we watch people interacting with Jesus. There's a pattern in John that, uh, that Jesus performs some miracle uh, or makes a bold statement about who he is, but people misunderstand, and then they argue, and they stir up trouble, and they get angry. And even though the Jewish people were waiting for a special Savior and King from God, they just don't recognize him, and they don't receive him. They're like people in a power cut, stumbling around. Uh, their eyes don't work, and they don't want them to. Their eyes are shut tight. Uh, and when the light of Jesus comes to us at first, we don't want it. We don't want him. We want the darkness. And yet Jesus wins. Jesus opens people's eyes, and we see him for who he really is, God in the flesh. So Jesus is God, and Jesus is light and life in a dark world. And the third thing that uh, John wants to tell us on, on page one of his book is this. <clears throat> Jesus came so we could know God. Jesus came so we could know God. Uh, there's a difference between sending someone for you uh, or going yourself. Uh, we watched a, a political drama recently in, in our house that um, there was a prime minister, there was a terrible crisis, and it was, is it safe for him to go and visit the, the danger zone or, uh, or, or what have you? And, and oh, should it go himself? It is better to go himself. It's better. And they, there was a little throwaway line of, oh, no, it's not safe. We'll just send a royal. <laughs> we'll, just send a, we'll just send a royal. Uh, it was a good, good line. Uh, well, think of a king. Think of a king who uh, is holding meetings and important things in the palace while his son climbs a tree outside in the palace gardens. And the son falls and cries out. He's hurt. And the king could send a servant. He has any number of servants. He could send any servant to make sure his son is all right. But if he comes himself, what a big difference that will make to his son. Uh, or think of times when... Um, <clears throat> Think of times, like I was just talking about, when uh, terrible damage or, uh, is done by storms or earthquakes or other disasters. Uh, often the president or the prime minister will come in person. They can't do an awful lot, uh, can they? Just, um, just hug some people and, and say some things. But it means a lot to people in the, in the disaster zone that the person in charge has come to, to see it for themselves and hear about what has happened. Well, the Apostle John introduces us to a character in his book who's also called John, <laughs> confusingly, and he's in verse 6. We call him John the Baptist because he baptized people as a sign that they needed to be washed clean to meet God. The Apostle John might have called him John the Witness. That's what he says about him in verse 6. Let's read verse 6. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. Now, a man sent from God, that's pretty amazing. That's very special. A messenger sent from God. But even more brilliant, John's message was that God would come himself in person. Verse 8, he himself, John the witness himself, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. 
And here is what John said about the light. Uh, John, verse 15, John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. So John cries out, uh, announcing in public like an old town crier with a bell, you know, news, there's news to hear. Um, He who comes after me, that's Jesus, is is greater than me. Now, uh, John John the Baptist was a little bit older. Uh, He he started preaching and baptizing uh, earlier than Jesus. So in many ways, John came first. Uh, Jesus started after John, but John says, Jesus is greater uh, because he was before me. Um, Jesus is the eternal God, the Son, stepping into human history. He's before him in that way. And he's before him because he has the highest rank. John is a messenger sent by God. That's amazing. But Jesus is God himself in the flesh. And he has come in person. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word for made his dwelling is tabernacled. Uh, Now remember Exodus in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was a a great big tent, a mobile temple tent. It was a giant tent used as a temple, a meeting place for God and his people. Uh, God's people all lived in tents in those days as they journeyed from Egypt to the promised land. Uh, Well, they were going to live in their tents and God was going to live in his tent in the middle of his people, camped in the middle of his people. So when John says it here, it means that God has set up camp in human history by coming as the man Jesus. And it means that Jesus is the meeting place for God and human beings. God lives among us and meets with us, not in tents or temples, but as the man Jesus. Verse 14 We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the glory of God in Exodus, that's what filled the tabernacle at the end of the book, the end of the book of Exodus. The glory of God filled that tabernacle tent, temple thing. And now that glory, that same glory has come in the flesh from God the Father. Jesus has come in the flesh. He's pitched up with us. Um, And he's full of grace and truth. Jesus bubbles over in this book with grace, with undeserved kindness to people. And he provides wine for a wedding. He heals the sick. He feeds the hungry. He raises the dead. And he lays down his life for us, full of grace and truth. And as the word, Jesus is truth. He speaks the truth. He speaks about spiritual truth. And he embodies the truth about God and about salvation. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life in chapter 14. And speaking of salvation, of being saved, Jesus replaces the blessing of God's law with the blessing of his mercy and forgiveness. Look at verse 16. From the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another, or one blessing which replaces another. For the law was given through Moses, there's the first blessing, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. There's the the blessing that replaces it. Uh, No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. 
Moses gave God's law that God's people could never keep, a law that only showed them how sinful they were. Well, Jesus gives God's grace that all people need. God's grace means forgiveness for sin. That's what God does. That's how God saves. That's what God is like. Jesus came so that we could know what God is like. So Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the light and life in a dark world. Come so that we could know that, uh, know God. But <clears throat> more than that, there is one more thing, says John. Uh, Jesus came to make us children of God. Jesus came to make us children of God. Do you remember that bit of Bible poetry in verses 1 and 2? Not rhymes, but reflections. Uh, and the little bit at the top of the hill uh, that was the most important bit. Well, it turns out that the whole of verses 1 to 18 work like that as well. Look at this. And I've tried to color code it. Apologies if you're a little bit colorblind. You're going to struggle with this a little more. Uh, verses 1 to 5, the start, and, uh, and, and then verses 16 to 18, the end. The start and the end reflect, and they're at the bottom. Uh, and they mention uh, the one who was with God uh, at the Father's side, and the one who was God, God the one and only. So there's, there's some reflections at the start and end. And then just inside that, we've got verses 6 to 8 and verse 15, and that's about John the Baptist or John the witness and what he said about Jesus. So we've colored in the word John there a couple of times. Then inside that, we've got verses 9 to 11 and verse 14, and they're about the light that was coming into the world and the glory that we have seen like light. All of those verses have reflections. There are little reflections and, and themes there. And then right at the heart of the poem, or right at the top of the hill, come verses 12 to 13. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will. Those are all the sort of ordinary family ways that a children might be born, but children born of God. It looks like a sad story, doesn't it, when John says that the world didn't recognize Jesus and God's people didn't welcome him, but he says some did receive him. Uh, he explains what that means. What does it mean to receive Jesus? He says it means believing in Jesus' name. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name. That means believing in Jesus, the person in who he said he is, and believing in what he taught and believing in what he came to do for us, to die for our sin and to bring us back to his Father and our Father. John doesn't explain uh, what it means to be born of God, uh, verse 13. Jesus is going to say more about it in chapter 3, so we'll park it until then uh, as well. But the high point, the climax, the top of the hill for this whole passage is that Jesus came to make us children of God. And just think why that's good news. John, John, I think, gives three reasons just in these verses. One, it's for everyone. To all who believed, he says. It's not for clever people. It's not for people with the right friends or people with the right country or people with the right skin color. None of that. It's for everyone, no matter who, no matter where, no matter when, no matter what. It's for everyone, for all who believe. That's one reason it's great. Another reason, second, it's everything. In John's world, uh, most people had no rights, no freedoms, no hope to move up in the world, and just stuck. And today, uh, many people across the world are just the same, even in countries like ours, where we have rights and 
and all of that, we can still feel like we don't matter, but now we are valued and loved by God. No matter what anyone else says, and no matter how we feel about ourselves. So that just means everything. So it's for everyone, it's everything. And then third, it's, it's from God, born of God. Being his children is something that nothing and no one can take away from us. God is faithful. He doesn't change. Uh, he's the self-existent one who doesn't change. He doesn't depend. Um, he won't ever change his mind about us. We are his forever. Is that something you need to hear at the start of this new year? Uh, it's going to be a year of frustration and anxiety and disruption for society as a whole, and that's going to be the kind of baseline reality on top of whatever specific troubles and trials we might face individually or as a church family or even in our own uh, individual families. Um, is that something you need to hear, that we are his, that God the Son eternally with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit was, was born into history and into humanity, bringing light and life into a dark, dying world so that we, so that you, insignificant, undeserving you, might know God and be born of God and belong to God in His glory forever? I don't know how to explain that in a way that melts your heart or warms your heart or sets it on fire. I don't have the poetry. I don't have rhymes or reflections. But just think about it, will you? Just swim around in that thought today, will you? Um, that, it, that the eternal, divine, glorious Word of God pitched up camp in human form so that the glorious and deadly presence of God could meet us and speak to us and die for us and burst a hole through death for us to lead us home. Surely we can face whatever comes in 2021, as long as we have Him. Or maybe you need to receive Jesus for the very first time today. You don't have His promises. You don't have His presence. Uh, you're alone in the darkness of the world and the darkness of your heart. But you too can become a child of God. You don't need the brains to work it out. You don't need the privileges to qualify. You don't need uh, any of that. You need God to give you new birth into new life, life to the full, life knowing Him, eternal life that starts today. It's for all who believe in Jesus. Just come to Him. Just speak to Him. Lord Jesus, this world is dark and my heart and my life are dark too as much as I try to hide it. I believe that you are who you claim to be. I believe you came to show us God. I believe you came to bring us back to Him by dying in our place. Please forgive me and welcome me to belong to you. Give me that life that you offer. If you ask Jesus for that, then He's already working in you and his answer is always a joyful, wonderful yes. So come to him today. Let's pray. And then uh, I think we're finished. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for sending your son into the world to be our light and life. Thank you that as we read John's book, and encounter Jesus, we are seeing you. We're seeing what kind of God you are and what you've done for us. Help us to come and receive Jesus, believing in him and 
in all he came to do. And help us to rest secure because we are children of a glorious God and a faithful Father. And we pray with uh, Christians over the centuries, Almighty God, in the birth of your Son, you have poured on us the new light of your incarnate word and shown us the fullness of your love. Help us to walk in this light and dwell in his love that we may know the fullness of his joy who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.